Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again for the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris taking you through the Red Ink in the Scriptures. We're in chapter 30 of our little book, The Words of Jesus. And um, Jesus is going to take some time to talk about the parable that we've been discussing now for several shows. And, um, and he's going to add some uh, explanations to that parable. Do you remember it well enough that I don't have to read it again? That's eh, not fair. Perhaps you missed the show. Um, the, let, let me just run through it quickly so we can all get on the same page here. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man that sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. The servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather the tares up? And he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye shall root up the wheat with them also. Let both grow together until the harvest. And, at the, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, we continue in chapter 30. Later on, after the multitude had been sent away and Jesus had gone into the house, the disciples came to him saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And Jesus answered them saying, He that sowed good seed in the field is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let them hear. Very many interesting things there. Did you have a million questions go through your head? I know uh, it, it does that for me. Um, we talked about in, the, um, in, in prior sessions that uh, this particular weed that was sown in the field um, was a different kind of weed than the ones that he mentioned in the parable of the sower. Here we find that these particular tares that I have not been able to identify, some people dare to um, uh, create uh, you know, ideas out of the scriptures of a, 
of a second race. Some people um, take um, the book of Genesis where it reiterates the creation of Adam and Eve and says that God created his people and then he created uh, again other people that um, are not children of God. Um, I think it's a dangerous doctrine because as soon as you do that, people are going to wonder, well, who are these people? Well, guess what? They're people who are not like you. Um, anyway, we do some pretty silly things, but I really don't think, I, 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 I should say, I do think that should we need to know who those people are, that it would be made known to us who those people are, but we don't know. Um, the, the sad part of what I'm telling you is it could be you. It could be somebody you love. It's hard to believe. But do you realize hell is going to be populated with somebody's grandchildren? Isn't that a disgusting thought? I mean, it's just, we don't even want to think about things like this. But who are they if they're not people? They were created by other people. They're people, people. We need to understand that. That um, I don't know that we really want to know who these people are. But I do know that if the Lord rooted them up, it would root us up as well. Friends, we're all entangled. All of our roots are entangled in this earth. And um, this, is why, this is why we need to exercise a, an attitude of the brotherhood of man. This is why we need to understand that th th there's nobody that's born our enemy. I don't care what if it's a religious division, a, a bloodline, a DNA division, uh, a skin color division, whatever divisions we're making. Listen, the truth is, you'll read in the book of Acts that when God created us, he created us all of one blood. This is one of the reasons why I don't buy the theory that he created a group of people that are destined to go to hell. Uh, the, the children of the wicked one. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they came from. I don't claim to know. But I do know that they're a part of this earth and somehow their roots are entangled in ours. And they are alive because of the grace of God toward us. Not them, but toward us. Because he dares not lose us to root them up. I don't understand all this. But frankly, I don't need to. Um, and as I say, uh, you know, if, if we don't know who they are, we don't know who they aren't. And we just need to relax a little bit and back away and understand, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And uh, he's, he's going to do the right thing. So what, what's left for us to do? Keep his commandments. Don't disobey your conscience. Take time every day to seek his face and to hear what he has to say to us. It's the best advice you're ever going to get anywhere in the world. It'll make your life better. It'll make you better. It'll make your wife love you again. Um, it's, it's good for us. It's good for us to do this, to become the people that he expects us to be. Now, as he continues... He says, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. That's pretty clear. We don't, have a, we don't have a right to second guess that. The harvest is the end of the world. 
I think we can all agree there. And um, and the reapers are the angels. Now, just slow down a little bit. I've got some bad news for you. Let's continue because he says this again, and we'll take it up there. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom. Boy, I'd like to camp there for just a minute. All things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. There it is again. I want to camp there. Can I talk about that a minute or two? Come on, let me do that. He says, twice he mentions that the righteous are going to occupy the kingdom of God. Have we understood that the kingdom of God is not heaven? The kingdom of God is here on this earth. When he created this earth, it was the kingdom of God. It was thwarted. It was, it was robbed out from under him. It was given to his, to his arch enemy. It was given over to Satan. And it belonged to him for a long, long time. Well, Don, how can you say that? Well, it's really kind of... It's, it's hard to misunderstand that. I know you want to believe that, that God is in control and you know, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the rest of this stuff. I know you want to believe all that, but it's not true. It's just simply not so. You know, you can't take the poetic language of Psalms and, and, and try to build some concrete doctrine out of it, some dogma that you're smashing over the heads of somebody else. You just can't do that. It's nice to think he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't even own the hills anymore. Now, how, do, how can you say such a thing? Well, you remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Temptation, and he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I will, he says he showed him what? All the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. He said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. Well, he was lying. Satan is a liar. They're not his kingdoms. And, uh, and, but Satan, in that particular instance, goes on to say, they are mine, the kingdoms of this world. They are mine. They were given unto me, and I will give them to whomsoever I will. And you might say, and I stand again on the fact that he's a liar. <laughs> and so you can't believe anything he says. Well, sometimes... Uh, the truth uh, can can uh, can be a lie, and sometimes a lie can be a truth. Uh, we probably don't have time to talk about that, but think about it in the middle of the night. Perhaps you'll understand that a lie is not uh, necessarily a sentence that is semantically incorrect with history or with the facts. Sometimes a lie can can semantically be absolutely true, but its purpose is to deceive. That's what makes it a lie. He was not trying to deceive Jesus at this point. There was no deception here. It was a promise. It was him saying, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. They are mine. They were given unto me. I'll give them to whomsoever I will. You want further proof? If they were not his kingdoms, 
if they were not indeed given unto him, and if it were not true that he had the power to give them to whomsoever he will. How is that a temptation? It Wouldn't Jesus know this? You, you can't tempt me with something that you don't have. So it was indeed a temptation because it was indeed true that the kingdoms of this world actually belong to him. How do they belong to him? Friend, you might be looking into the characteristics, uh, the, the culminated uh, power and ability of, of the characteristics of the children of the wicked one. The children of the wicked one are working for him all the time. You know, we're supposed to be establishing the kingdom of God on the earth for our God. They are extremely busy establishing the kingdoms of the earth for their God. And frankly, he's doing pretty well. Frankly, we don't even compare. You got Jesus saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second part of what he had to say was to establish the first part of what he was asking. Thy kingdom come. And how is that to happen? By his will being done. Another good reason to keep the commandments of God. All right, so he continues and is teaching us that um, the Son of Man shall send forth angels and that they will gather out of his kingdom, that is, that is his thwarted, stolen kingdom here on this earth, where his children live, where the wheat lives, where the tares live, whose roots are mingled, he's going to send forth his angels to separate the two. Now, if the rapture theory were true, he, the angels would come and gather us, gather hid the wheat, and just leave the chaff because the earth's going to be melted with a fervent heat. It's going to be destroyed and all the wicked along with him. That's what the story says. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that the tares are going to be pulled out of this earth that was stolen from him, and the earth is going to be handed back to the God who created it. And the kingdoms of this earth are going to become the kingdoms of our God. And as those things are delegated to Jesus Christ, he goes on to say, and we will eventually read, where at that judgment time, when he deems this particular person took a talent and turned it into five, this man took five and turned it into ten, what did he say to do? He said, you can have authority over ten cities. Where are these cities? In heaven? Of course not. They're here on this earth. The earth that he just has redeemed. The earth that he has just cleansed. The earth that, that where, the, where the, the tares were rooted up and taken away by these angels. And that's why the Bible says, we who are alive and remain. It, it wasn't we who are alive and are alive those who are left and who are left, he didn't just reiterate. He was saying those of us who are alive and remain. Remain after what? The pulling of those tears. It's going to take some of us. It's going to take some of us. 
But those of us who are alive and remain, great things await us. Is this encouraging you or discouraging you? Um, but we have to cons- consider this the way Jesus has, uh, has laid this out in, in very clear terms. Now, here's the toughest part of what I have to tell you. I told you before in an earlier show that I believe that that process is going on right now. I think the angels have been sent forth, so to speak. If you look at uh, a, a scriptural definition of angel, you will find that they are simple, simply messengers. If this scripture were written and not translated as angel, but translated as messenger, I think it would be easier for you to understand what I'm about to say. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I've seen you know the, those psychotic human beings on Christian television that are preaching the gospel, and their claims of miracles and their claims of money, and, and it just goes on and on and on, and they're just living in billion-dollar luxury while the world just you know, is, is sitting in its own feces. And, I mean, you know, the imbalance, it doesn't take a whole lot of sense to look at Reverend Hairdo and say, that can't be right. It just doesn't take a lot of sense. I don't know, I mean, the, I, I, don't, I don't know where you are on, on this particular thing, but there's different stages. You know, there's, you know, like Reverend Super Big Mouth, and then there's all the way down to the, the poor schmuck that is trying to preach in his little local congregation of 23 people uh, every Sunday in a little country church somewhere that wants to be Reverend Big Mouth. And so he preaches everything that Reverend Big Mouth preaches. And, uh, and he pretends like it's his own. And, and he, you know, he barks and hollers just like this guy does. And, and he preaches prosperity just like this guy does. And he preaches the whole line just like that guy does. So there are different stages of, of these people who are considered to be messengers of God. Are they really messengers of God? Could that be? Could it be? I, you know, I don't want to put names in here because I, I, I don't want it to become a personal thing. But have you ever wondered why they're permitted to continue to do what they do? Why doesn't God strike that guy dead? I mean, some of the things that they say, the blasphemous and ridiculous things that they say, and the people that they have bound who take their, their rent money and their, and their money for medicine for their sick child and send it to him, trying to get a hundredfold return or whatever else stupid thing that they're doing and preaching. How can that continue? Listen, folks, those men, you can make the list as long as you wish. Those men, they're messengers of God. They are those angels. They have a commission of God to do and to say and to preach exactly what they do and what they say. They make their sin as blatant as daylight. And you look and the camera pans back and you see 20 
30,000 people in their congregation. And if I went to town and held a meeting, I'd be tickled to have 50 people there. How can that be? How can you, how can you get that many people to listen to a man blaspheme God, to make up you know, silly little stories that a six-year-old can see through, to play parlor tricks, to do, you know, sleight of hand out there, to be, you know, some kind of a mentalist or, you know, God, God telling me your address, brother, you know, or, you know, or the, the name of your street's got an R, S, T, N, or L in it. <laughs> That's what I call the wheel of fortune prophecy process. And who can watch this? Who can see this and not be disgusted by it? Camera pans back. 20,000 more. You think, how can this be? Those men are messengers of God. That's how it can be. Those men are effective because God empowers them to do that deception. Why? He says it right here. First the tares. First the tares. How are we going to find the tares in the field? I understand. I don't know this for a fact. I understand that these tares that Jesus was talking about look very much like wheat. And it takes a man that's very familiar with both plants to understand which one to pull and which one not to. I understand it's a difficult process. I'm not sure of that. Um, you know, maybe I got this out of my, my, my preacher's big book of illustrations. But uh, I understand that, uh, that it's not easily done. And um, I think that these preachers of today that you know darn well are blasphemous, bigoted, hateful, money-grubbing idiots that are so successful... I'm telling you why they're successful. They're commissioned of God. And they are commissioned of God not to gather his people, but to gather the tares. And you know what they're using? Tear bait. They're using tear bait. Does money appeal to you, even though the scriptures call it the root of all evil? That's what they're throwing around their congregations is money. That's why they walk out on stage in an Armani suit, to create lust. The lust of other things. There's one of the weeds. To give you power over your situation. To hypnotize you and make you think that you're a child of God when you're not. Man, this is all tear bait. If that appeals to you, you better consider your, your relationship to God. Don't you get into that, don't you get into that bundle you know where that bundle's going when they throw it on the truck? Down to the fire. They're going to haul those bundles away to burn them. How's God going to separate his people from the chaff? How's he going to separate the wheat from the chaff? How's he going to separate the wheat from the weeds, the tares from the wheat? How's it going to be done? By a messenger of God. A messenger of God? Yep. He's going to send men that are going to stand before the world of Christianity. Do you think that Reverend Big Mouth preaches to the world? No, he doesn't. 
He preaches to what we consider to be Christians. Who do you think goes to those meetings? Do you think the barmaid down the street goes? No, she doesn't. You think Al Capone went to any meetings? I don't think so. So is he separating righteous from the unrighteous? Couldn't be. The unrighteous aren't even there. Who's there? The Christians. And why are they there? Because of the tear bait. These things appeal to them. God is finding the weeds by your own lusts, your own desires. It doesn't, doesn't the apostle teach us this when he says, you ask and you have not? Why? Because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Here he is telling you the same thing I'm telling you. You better be careful with what you want, because somebody's going to offer it to you. You better hope they don't offer it in the name of Jesus. Because if you do, you're dealing with one of his messengers that is here for no other reason, not to build the kingdom of God. They're not even here to build their own kingdoms as they're accused to do so. Uh, They're accused so many times people say, you know, it's all about money with you people. You're just here to take people's money away. Friend, they don't need your money. They couldn't, they couldn't live long enough to spend everything they have. Perhaps you could have nine jets instead of six. I don't know. I guess you could just keep spending it. But that's not even their intention. Those people are empowered by God. To do what? Grow his kingdom? No. To find the man out there that's lost and undone and needing a change in his heart, wants to make things right with God and is seeking regeneration? No. Those those places are full of church people that are all excited because evangelist hairdo, evangelist big suit, is coming to town and we're all going to go see him. Y'all going to the meeting tonight? (laughs) Look, it's time we face facts. These men aren't the enemy of our God at this point. They are workers in the kingdom of God. And, and their whole purpose is to separate the wheat from the weeds, from the tares. How do they do it? Tear bait. Anything that they teach, does that appeal to you? Better be careful. You better understand that we've been called to a very austere life. We've been called to a life of, of disappointment. Paul says, I, I, I suppose that he set the apostles in the earth as last. We are of all men most persecuted. Are you persecuted? Do men hate you for, for your stand on the gospel? Yeah, beware when all men speak well of you, for so they spoke of the false prophets which were before you. But be happy when they persecute you and pursue you in their synagogues and try to destroy you because that's what they do to the good ones. Friend, we're in the middle of this reaping right now. Time for us to go. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the words of Jesus. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. 
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.